Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Uh, The central theme of this entire series that we've been in has been to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Now today I want to talk about probably the most difficult people in the world to love. And I want to go straight to the words of Jesus for our message here today. Why don't you turn with me to Luke chapter 6, verse 27, if you have your Bibles. If not, you can look at the Bible on the screen. And it says, but to you who are willing to listen. Amen. Now let me just stop before I jump in and say, Jesus didn't say this very often, but it's pretty significant because he's getting ready to drop a bomb on everybody. (laughs) And he wants to know, now I want to make sure to you guys that are really ready to listen, I got something that I need to say, but you got to be willing to listen. He said, love your enemies. Now you can see why he was trying to prep them for that moment. He says, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Wow. Now you can see why he said, Uh, For those of you who are ready to listen, right? I mean, that was no small order. Now, last week in our series, we unpacked verse 31 with the message called the golden rule and how Jesus said we're to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Amen. Now, today, though, I want to unpack, and let's take a look at verses 27 through 30, and I want to preach on this subject, love my enemies. Love my enemies. How many of you want to take a second to pray? Because this is going to be this is going to be some strong medicine today, right? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you today for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you. I just pray that our hearts would be open and we'd be ready to receive. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, from the beginning of time, people have always had conflict, right? There's always been somebody around to disagree with. There's always been something that we can disagree about. Matter of fact, you can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and find the first two brothers on the earth, Cain and Abel, found something to disagree with. And matter of fact, to the point their conflict elevated to where Cain killed his brother Abel. Now, when I was a kid growing up, Uh, We were taught in my house more from my dad than my mom on this particular point. We were taught to take up for yourself. Anybody grow up that way? Take up for yourself. But after you've stood your ground with someone, and this might have come more from my mother's side, you were supposed to put your disagreement behind you, try to make friends with them, or at the very least not 
have an enemy, right? Now, today, though, things are very different. Now, I'm not sure when our society became so narcissistic, when we became so partisan on just about every issue, but we have become so obsessed with speaking your truth and with self-preservation that I think we've actually taken some things to the extreme. Let me explain what I'm talking about. I want to lay a little foundation for this message about loving your enemy. For example, we encourage people to seek out positive relationships, right, with happy, optimistic, and cheerful people. We, we encourage people to cut off toxic relationships and to not allow bad people to ruin your lives through their influence. I believe that. I teach that. I try to live my life that way. But also, let me just put this little disclaimer out there. I think sometimes too much of a good thing can become a bad thing. Amen? Because I think one way that we are messed up today is that in many cases, instead of pursuing reconciliation or healing in a damaged or maybe even in what you might consider a toxic relationship, we have become too quick to advise people that if you're struggling with your current relationship, you just need to move on to a new one. Amen. Now, I understand the objective of that kind of advice, but for many people... What we're doing is instead of putting in the hard work of relationship repair or taking on the emotional weight of the efforts at reconciliation, the moment people get difficult, we just delete them and we move on. Amen? Can I get an amen or an oh me from the house today? Y'all going to have to help a brother out today. Amen. The moment someone says something we don't like, we cut them off. Or we label them. Or we demean them. And folks, not only has this become a tolerated form of behavior, it's a celebrated and almost bragged about relationship tactic that has now become ingrained in our society. Obviously, there are times when it's wise to regulate or even end a relationship. Do I really need to throw that disclaimer out there? But I will. If you're being abused or you're being taken advantage of, sometimes it's wise and it's loving to establish relationship boundaries and sometimes to even end some relationships. But hear me, if I could just be honest with you today, I see too much of this. The default to so quickly cut people out of our lives has become the norm with the recent rise of the so-called cancel culture. How many of you heard the term cancel culture? Cancel culture or, or call-out culture, it's really just a modern form of ostracism in which someone is thrown out of a social or a professional circle. It might be online. It might be social media. It might even be in person. Maybe that person made some politically incorrect statement, or maybe they did something, and maybe it even happened in their distant past. That's what we're even seeing now. They're pulling up stuff that people did or said 20, 25, 30 years ago. And now they're rising up against them to have them canceled. Now, I could rattle off the list of names of celebrities that many of you would recognize. They're in the news on almost a weekly basis where they do something, say something, or did something or said something that the, the society doesn't like, and now everybody wants to cancel them. Amen? I, I got to admit, I kind of get excited when I see some of these celebrities, even the ones I don't agree with, pushing back against that. Because you don't get to cancel me just because you disagree with me. Amen? 
See, it's a way of boycotting or shunning people with different views that you might have. Groups of people literally trying to destroy or shut down the careers or the relationships of other people because they disagree with their viewpoint or their lifestyle. And hear me, cancel culture And the reason I'm talking about this is it's not just for celebrities or politicians anymore. We're seeing it played out in day-to-day, face-to-face, normal relationships. Amen? I have seen lifelong friendships end because one of the friends got offended because their friend didn't agree with them or would not support their views. So instead of trying to fix it, Or, here's a novel thought, just agreeing to disagree. Whatever happened to that idea, amen? They just shut them off. I've had people in my life that I thought were friends cut me off and write me off over the years because some of the ways that I think or maybe even pastor no longer fits into their acceptable box. So instead of just agreeing to disagree, they just write you off and send you to the leper's camp, right? Ichabod! The glory has departed. Amen. See, for many people, the way to deal with difficult relationships is not to try to fix them, but to end them. But folks, I'm here to challenge you today. If you are a believer, I'm here to challenge you and just tell you straight up front, sometimes that is just the lazy way out in the name of self-preservation and self-care. Amen. Trying to help somebody today. You know what our society does? Got a friend who's causing problems in your life? No problem. Cut them out. Somebody in your small group say something offensive? That's okay. Just leave that small group and find you a new one. Somebody at church make a racially insensitive or politically provocative remark? Oh, that never happens in the church, by the way. What do we do? Find another church where everybody looks like you, votes like you, thinks like you. Amen? See, cancel culture is alive and well, not just on liberal college campuses, not just on television networks. It's alive and well among some believers today as well. Someone at work doesn't understand or respect your faith, avoid them. Tired of being made fun of at school for being the girl that doesn't party or the guy who won't sleep around, withdraw into your Christian bubble. Folks, that's not the will of God for the body of Christ. Amen. That's what so many people do because it feels easier. Just cut off those who offend you or just try to avoid them as much as possible. But is this really the way the believers are supposed to cope? Because hear me, you can't love people if you have canceled them from your life. You can't love them if you've canceled them from your life. I want you to hear the words of the Apostle Paul. He's mimicking Jesus in some of these statements that he's making. Look at Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Man, Paul was on a roll. It's like he's just checking off the list. He says, do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. And then look at verse 18. Don't miss this. Do all that you can 
to live in peace with everyone. Amen? Can I just be honest with you? Every time I see one of my Christian friends get on social media and just start blasting everybody that thinks differently than them, I just want to throw that verse up there and say, you are not living at peace with everyone. You're just stirring up strife, stirring the spot, speaking your truth to the division of the body. The message of the Bible is not to cancel people. It's to do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. See, this passage is about pursuing relationships and overcoming evil in someone who has wronged you with what? Acts of good. See, when we cancel people, when we give people the silent treatment, when we just cut people out of our lives without even trying to fix things, it's if we're saying to them, you are not worth a relationship with me. What? The epitome of arrogance that is, amen. The epitome of pride that is. But see, the message of Jesus sends us into the world to love people as we have been loved. To love people as we wish to be loved. To love people who will sometimes offend us. Now that means before we resort to so quickly ending relationships, we need to walk the messy road of confrontation and restoration. That was good preaching, Pastor. I can say that again and tell y'all you're dismissed in Jesus' name and you'd have a whole lot to work on this week. And so would I. I will say it again. We need to walk the messy road of confrontation and restoration. Now, you may not like this, but it's the first, first path that we are supposed to take. Does it always work? Of course not. Because reconciliation always takes two. One person cannot reconcile a relationship. It takes two. I'm going to talk more about this next week. But let's not give up even before we get started. As much as it lies in our power, Paul said, do all that we can, Paul said, to be agents of reconciliation among those who have hurt us. Again, hear the words of Jesus, Matthew 5, 44. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, Luke 6, 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you, Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Love your enemies. Can I just tell you, I believe no teaching of Jesus has probably been more attacked, more slandered, more ridiculed, more vilified than his calling on people to love those who hate them. Can I also say, maybe not for you, but certainly for me, there's probably no teaching in the Bible that's been harder to live out than to turn the other cheek when you're hit to go the second mile from someone who is oppressing you, amen, to give your shirt to somebody that's trying to steal your coat, <laughs> amen. And yet, <clears throat> this might be the most amazing world-saving principle ever. Love your enemies. Really? Now, who wants to do that? Go ahead and raise your hand, amen, if you want to love your enemies. I see a few hands going up. Now, to everybody who thinks it's easy to love your enemies, you go ahead and raise your hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple, not many. We all know it's not that easy, is it? Most of us, we don't want to admit it, but most of us in the deepest recesses of our minds, we don't want to love those folks. What we really want comes a whole lot closer to wanting revenge. 
or some sense of justice, amen? See, we may not follow through on those feelings, but that doesn't mean that those feelings are not there. We're just spirit-controlled enough, and we got enough Jesus in us to realize, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do what I want to do. I can't say what I want to say. See, most of our time, our enemies, they did something to us, or maybe even worse, they did something to our family members. They did something that hurt us or the person that we love, and we consider them an enemy. And you know what? We just settle for pretty well ignoring their existence as much as is humanly possible. But when you read the lesson from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and read his statement about loving our enemies, see, for many of us, we want to do the same thing with the words of Jesus that we want to do with our enemies, ignore them. Right? Man, I just take my scissors out and cut those five verses out of my Bible because I don't want to bless my enemies. I don't want to speak blessing over their lives. I don't want to love my enemies. We just want to ignore it, hope it goes away, far, far away, never to bother me again. Stop challenging me with those words, Jesus. Every year on my bread chart, I come back and I got to read them again, and then I got to read them in a couple more Gospels. Luke 6, 27, Jesus said, I say to you who hear. Not everybody hears or gets spiritual things, especially stuff like this. Look what 1 Corinthians 2 and 14 said. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. By the way, if, if sometimes you talk about spiritual stuff to unspiritual people and they don't get it, don't be surprised. They don't get it because they're not spiritual. Amen. They're not spiritually minded. Well, Lord, how can I love them? Some of them, if I'm being truthful, I don't even like them. Did you know God, He didn't command you to like everybody? Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Because if He commanded me to like everybody, I am failing the test. Amen. He did command us, though, to love everybody. And in Scripture, as I talked about last week, love is not just an emotion. Love is something you do. Because it's a, and because if it was an emotion, He wouldn't command us to do something. He, can't, he wouldn't command you to feel a certain way. But He does command us to act a certain way. So that leads me to the big question. I've been talking for a while, kind of setting this up. How do I love my enemies. And by the way, some of you might be uncomfortable with that word, but I'm not uncomfortable with it because Jesus used it. But if it'll make you feel a little bit better, maybe you don't like to call them your enemy. Maybe you just call them your backstabbing friend. <laughs> Years ago, my daughter introduced me to a term, and we were talking about somebody who had done me wrong. She said, oh, Dad, they're your frenemy. They're your friend slash enemy. They're your frenemy. I was like, ooh. That's pretty good. I wish it wasn't true, but it is true. Amen. They're your frenemy. Or they might be a demeaning boss, or they might be an abusive or a mean family member. They might be an ex-spouse. It might be a grouchy neighbor. It might be a former friend that parted ways with you over a disagreement. Your enemies. And if I'm not supposed to cancel them or ignore them or shut them out, what am I supposed to do first? The answer is found in scriptures. And I'm going to share with you not the words of Buddy Thompson, but the words of Jesus. Are you ready? Turn with me to Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. And here comes the recipe do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you, 
If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, <coughs> offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. So how do I love my enemies? Let's jump right in here for a few moments. Number one, we love our enemies by our actions. Everybody say, do good. Do good. Jesus said in Luke 6, 27, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. First, we have to love our enemies by our actions. Do good to those who hate you. Here, let me, just, let me make it real simple, okay? You ready? Here's the test. Think of somebody who hates you. <laughs> or if that word is too strong, somebody who dislikes you. Then think of something good that you can do for that person. And then go out and do it. It's so simple yet so complicated, right? <laughs> Jesus said, think of somebody and do good to them. Do good to those who hate you. The problem is, though, that we do everything we can to avoid the people who hate us, right? We don't want to have anything to do with that person. I know, I get it. But Jesus said, do good to those who hate you. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the Scripture says, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, here he comes, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. Sounds like he's quoting Jesus. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. See, we can't let evil conquer us. we got to conquer evil by doing good. See, this is the opposite of how almost everyone, including Christians, respond. It certainly is the opposite of our cancel culture. So the first thing, though, that we got to do is we got to live by our actions. Do good to your enemies. Amen. Matter of fact, you know what? Let's do this real quick. Let's just pause for 10 seconds. I want you to think of somebody that might be your enemy, your frenemy, your whatever you want to call them, whatever makes you feel. I want you to think of their name. And then I want you to think of something you can do for them. Ten seconds. Are you ready? Go. All right. Now, if that person is sitting next to you, try not to make it real obvious this week. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Bless them with your actions. Here's the second thing we're supposed to do. We love our enemies by our words. Everybody say, bless them. Again, think of the person that curses you. Jesus said in Luke 6, 28, bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. Man, this is so countercultural, the teaching of Jesus. Again, don't respond in kind, he said. You bless those the opposite of cursing them. Amen. Instead, you respond with blessing. And folks, it might take a long time to get to this place. Can we just be real? For some of you, the best way you can bless people right now is just by not speaking evil about them. <laughs> right? Some of you, you win the battle of your words just by keeping your mouth shut. 
man, their name comes up. Woo, you're ready. You're loaded. You got stuff you could say. You got all the good stuff. And you know what? And that conversation goes by. You keep your mouth shut. When you're done, you say, glory, hallelujah. What a victory, amen. I did not talk bad about them. I blessed them by keeping my mouth shut. And you know what? If that's the best you can do right now, to God be the glory, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, zip your lip and be blessed, amen. Just zip your lip and be blessed. I remember hearing about one time a pastor was at a group of tables. Uh, I know who this pastor was. I know the guys who were at the table. I wasn't there. And these guys started talking about a pastor who had done something, and it was questionable, maybe not unethical, I don't know, whatever. And then finally they, this other pastor wasn't saying anything, and they asked him, he said, don't you remember the time he did such and such? And that pastor just raised his hand up and looked at everybody. He said, no, I distinctly remember forgetting that. Everybody's like, they just started eating their food. Oh, boy, he just put us all in our place. Sometimes you just got to remember to forget some stuff, right? Amen. Speak blessing. Speak blessing. Look what Peter said in 1 Peter 3 and 9. Don't repay evil for evil. Here it is. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Why do we struggle so much with this as Christians? That's right. We're human. And we mess up. Don't give insults for insults. Instead, though, look at it. Everybody say, payback. It's payback time. You ready? Pay them back with a blessing. What? <laughs> I like paybacks. I don't pay them back with a blessing. But look. And then he says, that's what God has called you to do. And if you do that, he will grant you his blessing. Pay them back, all right. But pay them back with a blessing. Amen. It's payback time. And we pay back with blessings. Do what God has called you to do. Folks, that's a good trade-off because the Scripture says He will bless us. He will grant us His blessing. So number one, we love our enemies by our actions. We do good. Number two, we love our enemies by our words. We bless them. Number three, we love our enemies by our prayers. You pray for them. This is what the Scripture says, Luke 6, 28. Pray for those who hurt you. Now listen, I'm not about to rearrange the, the order that Jesus put him in, right? Jesus put him in that order for a reason. But can I just tell you for me in my life, I probably need to start here by praying for those who hurt me because that's what's going to allow me to bless them or do good for them. Because I can't even think about blessing you until I have prayed for you and really I have prayed some of this junk out of my life that I feel about you. I'm talking about my enemies, your enemies. We need to pray for them. And you know what? When you're praying for your enemies, you're asking God to touch them, to bless them. And you know what? Some of the translations says, pray for those who have mistreated you, those who have spitefully used you, those who have abused you. Some of you in this room today, you might be deeply wounded or hurt by someone. Again, you may want to have nothing to do with that person. But Jesus said, Pray for those who hurt you. And you know what? The reason why I think we probably all need to start here is because it is impossible to pray sincerely for someone and hate them at the same time. And your prayers may have to start 
if you're just being honest, a little begrudgingly. I'm just going to use, I'll use my son-in-law here so nobody gets offended. My son-in-law, Evan. It might start out with, God bless Evan. Oh. Woo. Done with that. Amen. God bless Evan. God bless him. God bless him. It may take you days, weeks, months of praying like that until it can become God bless Evan. Bless him, Lord. Help him get a good job. Help him find you. Help him what a, until it becomes a sincere place of prayer where you're like, God, I really do want you to bless Evan. I want you to touch him. I want you to give him a good job. I want you to soften his heart. I want you to bless him financially. I want you to prosper him. What To get there. And then, when I've gotten to that place, it's easy for me to bless him with my words or to bless him with my deeds. Amen? But Jesus said we have to pray for our enemies. You may pray God's grace over their life. You may pray that he or she, will, God will, they will see God as their answer. You may pray for them by forgiving them and asking the Lord to forgive them. And I'm going to talk about that next week, amen. You may have to pray for them, uh, really. And prayer might be the place that you have to start before you can do good for them or bless them. Here's what Jesus said in Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he was saying it about the people that just put him on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And in our text, after laying out how we're supposed to love our enemies, Jesus really took it even further. And he lets us know that loving our friends is not the expectation. That's not the bar, folks. Sometimes we think we're so loving. No, look what Jesus said in Luke 6.32. I just love Jesus doesn't pull any punches. Amen. Jesus said, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? He said, even sinners love those who love them. And then he said, and if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. Jesus just stopped to say, hey, that's not the, the pinnacle. That's the floor. That's the starting blocks. It's easy to love people that love us. It's easy to love people that do good to us. But then look what Jesus said, verse 34. If you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. And then it starts getting good. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. And then He just puts the icing on the cake. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Now, I don't want to skip over one little thing that Jesus said there. I'm going to throw in something that has nothing to do with my sermon, but I want to give you a little financial tip. Amen? Anybody want a little tip that will help you navigate life financially? I want you to look what Jesus said. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. I remember growing up, I got exposed to the teaching of Larry Burkett. Anybody that's over 40 might remember that name. Larry Burkett, Money Matters, right? And I'll never forget one time Larry Burkett said, if you ever loan money to somebody, the moment it leaves your hands, consider it a gift. He said, and then if you get it back, consider it a blessing. Because that way, you're never going to feel salty 
Now, I'm just paraphrasing now. He probably didn't use the word salty. That way you're never going to feel salty if somebody owes you some money and doesn't pay you back. Amen? It'd be like being at church, and, and then here's Brother Josh, and he comes down to the altar, and he's praying, and he owes me $200, and he's standing at the altar, and I'm like, what are you doing praying? You don't need to go to the altar. You need to go to the ATM, amen? Get my 200 amen? And people, man, you're laughing. People get all kinds of worked up. So-and-so owes me money. So-and-so this and that. You know what? Uh, alleviate the stress of it. When you loan somebody some money, just consider it a gift. If you get it back, go, thank you, Jesus, and consider yourself blessed. That was for free, amen? Jesus said, though, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. So we love our enemies with our words. We love our enemies by blessing them. We love our enemies with our prayers. And number four, we love, and this kind of goes in with what I just said, we love our enemies by sharing generously. Everybody say give to them. Here's what Jesus said, Luke 6, 29. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. If someone, uh, and then he said, give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away, don't try to get them back. Not only does it say to give to anyone who asks, it says when things are taken away, don't try to get it back. Now, Jesus is not talking about people stealing but rather about people borrowing and not returning what is borrowed. Jesus said, don't harass them about your goods. And if that's hard for you, just don't loan anybody anything. Amen. I had a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, he actually had labels printed and they put them in, in uh, all of his books. You know, your book might say property of. His books, his labels said, this book stolen from the library of and put his name there. It was funny. I think I might have one of those books on my shelf today. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But Jesus said, don't do that. You know what I think the principle is here? He wants to teach us to err on the side of generosity. Because, of course, there are limits to what we can or should give to people. Sometimes it's loving not to give to someone. Because you know their situation. You know it might hurt them. It might empower them in a way that's not good. It might be enabling them. Amen. But also we need to think of times when we don't give to our children because we know that what they're asking for may not help them but hurt them. Amen. And I want you guys to really think about that hard today with Halloween candy because if there's an overabundance of it, bring it to the church. Amen. If you have too much, just bring it here. We'll make good use of it. Amen. Number five, the fifth thing we have to do, says we love our enemies by living by the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Luke 6.31 says, do to others as you would like them to do to you. Now, I preached about this last Sunday, so I'm not going to belabor this point here. If you weren't here or you didn't hear it, you need to listen to last Sunday's sermon. The whole message was about this point. Do unto others as you would have them do Unto you. And then finally, number six, the last point I'd like the praise team and the band to come on back up. We love our enemies by forgiving them. Everybody say forgiveness. Now, folks, this point is so important that I'm just telling you what it is, and I'm going to preach about this point next week. I'm going to take a whole sermon on this one point. We love our enemies by learning to forgive them. Christians, we must love our enemies. Amen. Jesus was hated. 
He was hated by Judas. He was hated by the Pharisees. He was hated by all the people that demanded his crucifixion. Jesus was cursed. He was cursed by the false witnesses that testified against him, by the soldiers who mocked him, by the governor who sentenced him to die on a cross. Jesus was abused. He was abused by the priest who whipped him, by the soldiers that hung him up to die, and all the people that cursed at him while he was dying on the cross. His enemies literally struck him on the cheek, not figuratively, literally. They struck him again. They insulted his identity as the Son of God. They took away Jesus' dignity by taking his clothes and leaving him to die naked. You might not have known that. Jesus didn't hang up there with a pretty little loincloth that we see on the, the statues and on the pictures. He died naked, stripped of his dignity. How did Jesus respond to his enemies? By loving them and giving his life to pay the penalty for their sins. As he was dying on the cross, suffering at the hands of his enemies, Jesus was showing them his love. See, it was the same kind of love that he calls you and I to as his disciples to demonstrate to our enemies. Jesus did good for those who hated him. He suffered the punishment that they deserved for their sins. Do you realize that? Jesus blessed those who cursed him, even offering salvation to one of the thieves on the cross. He prayed for those who abused him, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's where we truly learn to love our enemies, folks. It's at the cross. It's at the cross. We learn by the example of the cross, and we also live at the foot of the cross. It's the only way you're ever going to be able to love your enemies is at the altar. The altar that you have at home, the altar that you have at this church, the altar that you have in your heart, amen. You can't love people the way you need to love people unless you keep yourself at the foot of the cross. I want you to stand with me right now. It's at the cross of Jesus where we see the power of God's love that enabled him to love his enemies. It's at the cross of Jesus where we find the power of God's love to enable us to love our enemies. Now, if you're not yet a Christian, you will never love your enemies until you first come to Jesus at the cross. Amen. you got to find Jesus for yourself. You've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of your sin and then turn from that sin, repent of those sins, and ask the Lord to lead your life. And then and only then will God's power, that same power that enabled Jesus, enable you to love your enemies as Jesus loved his enemies. Folks, do you realize there's a multitude of things that happen when we learn to love our enemies? God is honored, first of all, when we love our enemies. When we love our enemies, the Holy Spirit is able to use those actions to accomplish His will. When we love our enemies, the devil is infuriated. You want to make the devil mad? Love your enemies. Amen? Because you know what? We're not playing by His rules anymore when we love our enemies. When you love your enemies, the enemies are, your enemies are baffled as they see the love of Christ demonstrated in your life. When you love your enemies, hear me, the critics of Christianity are silenced 
You want to know about cancel culture? They're trying to cancel Christian voices all over our world. Amen. But we cancel that by loving our enemies. Amen. When you love your enemies, the church is blessed. When you love your enemies, other Christians see your witness, and they are inspired to do the same. When you love your enemies, outsiders are drawn to Jesus because they finally see somebody living out what we say we have. When you love your enemies, you are blessed. When you love your enemies, your anger goes away and you are set free. I'm going to talk more about that next week. And when you love your enemies, according to Luke 6.35, your reward in heaven is great. There's a reason we want to love our enemies and receive God's blessings. And finally, it just boils down to this. Why should we as Christians love our enemies? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus loved us when we were still His enemies. Amen. So the praise team's getting ready to sing. And as they do, I want to open this altar. I'm going to tell you right now, and I already alluded to this, this is one of the hardest teachings in all of the Bible to follow. Can anybody say amen to that? To learn to love those who hurt us, abuse us, that, that just disdain us. all the, It's hard to do. But I want to challenge every single person in this room. Just because it's hard to do doesn't mean we can't try to do it. Amen. I want to challenge you to step out from where you are and say, God, I need you to help me to love my enemies. Some of you, you may think, I, I can't do it. That's okay. I need you to take that first step and say, God, I need you to help me. Amen. You need to take that first step. I'm going to talk more about this next week. It might be somebody that's deceased, that hurt you terribly. You still have got to figure out a way to come to a place of forgiveness so that you're not held hostage anymore. So I want to ask you, I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are and say, God, help me to begin that journey today to love my enemies. And for some of you, you actually know you, there's somebody, the whole time I've been preaching, there's been a name popping in your head. You know what? That ain't the devil popping that name. He's not trying to get you to love your enemies. That ain't your flesh trying to get you to love your enemies. That's the Holy Spirit inspiring you to say, you know what? Why don't you start by praying for them? Now, if there's any honest people in the house, I want to invite you to come. I want to ask you to step out from where you are. And I want you to begin to ask the Lord to help you to love your enemies. Praise team, why don't you sing? We're all going to worship and submit ourselves to Him. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. There's a hunger. God, I want to love those who have hurt me. I, I need to get this bitterness out of my heart, God. Help me. I need to get this pain out of my heart, God. Even the people that love me, God, there's a lot of there's a lot of baggage there. Help me, God. Help me to lay it at this altar. Help me to lay it at your feet. Help me to live at the foot of the cross. Come on, folks. I'm talking about real Christian living right now. God, I gotta forgive those who've hurt me, those who've taken advantage of me. In my previous church, on my my last job, in my first marriage. With my children, with my relatives, whoever it is, God, I ask you, God, to help me. Help me, God. Help me, God, to love my enemies. That's it. That's it. That's it. Help me, Jesus. 
of your faith and obedience to the Lord, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. taken me 27 years to preach this sermon. I've never preached about loving your enemies. Thousands of sermons. El numero uno. Because you know what? 
you got to work through some stuff to get to a place to love your enemies. Amen. So I want to encourage you right now. You might say, man, I am an epic failure in this area. That's okay. That's what God saves us by His grace. Amen. And He helps us. And if you are aware that you're not doing good in this area, you just need to move forward in Jesus' name and ask, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Amen. Call those people by name. Be honest with God. Lord, it's so hard for me to forgive X, Y, Z because of what they did. And just lay it all out but say, God, you're calling me to a higher standard. You're calling me to a higher place. Amen. Don't let the spirit of cancel culture get a hold of your faith. Amen. We got to sometimes put in the hard work to be a believer and to be a believer that brings glory to God. Amen. And if that means loving my enemy, if that means blessing those who curse me, if that means doing good to those who harm me, God, with your help and to the best of my ability, as Paul said, I will do all that I can do. Amen. Let's pray one more time. Father, I want to thank you for the men and women in this room, the students that are in this room today, God. We can change our world by living out this sermon today. Help me to be an example of your love. Help me to, God, do what you did when you were on the cross. You didn't curse anybody. You didn't condemn anybody. You loved them, Lord. What an example. God, I want to return Eve. I want to return evil with a blessing. I want to return bad with something good. Lord, I want to bring you honor and glory. God, I want to pay back with blessing. And I thank you for that. Let's give God a praise in this house. Could you do it? Come on, everybody. Open your mouth. Lift your hands. Let's bless him. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We praise you, mighty God. And we thank you today, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Next Sunday, next Sunday I'm going to wrap up this series with point number six about loving people through forgiveness. Amen. So you don't want to miss it. I pray you have an amazing week. If I don't see you on Wednesday night at First Wednesday Prayer, I'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen.